Kia ora koutou. welcome to the panel, RNZ National, Heather Roy and David Cormack with me, Wallace Chapman. Now, it's mind-boggling for us to imagine, but some say that skiing might become untenable on Mount Ruapehu. Ruapehu Alpine Lifts Limited, RIL, which runs both Tūrua and Whakapapa uh, ski fields, has gone into voluntary administration after three years of disastrous ski seasons due to oh, lack of snow. And COVID. The implications, well, they're massive, not just for the ski fields, but for so many businesses in Wakune National Park and across the central plateau. And the news has meant a rough and ready start to a new job for the new Ruapehu mayor elect, Wes Curtin. Wes, nice to have you on the program. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity. A pleasure, Wes. By the way, I hear you call yourself a recycled mayor. Why is that? <laughs> well, I was uh, twenty odd years ago. I was actually the mayor in nineteen ninety five, ninety six. Uh, of course, uh, I was the mayor for two terms, and we, uh, of course, had the challenge of the mountain eruptions, and that was mm. one of the very early things I had uh, becoming mayor. And uh, of course, that was quite a challenge. So. A uh, big gap between 2001 and uh, 2022, so um, I've really uh, won for punishment, and uh, <laughs> it's great to be back in there. I have done a stint in the uh, Horizons Regional Council in the meantime, but yep. as far as uh, local council is concerned, I'm back. Okay, so you get in, and what what, what was the reading? Day two, you get a phone call that uh, this um, company could be placed in voluntary liquidation. Not good news. How's the feeling? Uh, certainly devastating, uh, and the people are very concerned, uh, but not surprised uh, that uh, we've had this dilemma uh, because uh, we had a poor season, as you've done, uh, as you indicated in your intro. Uh, we've actually had no snow to speak of, and one of the, you know, like it was one of the worst ski seasons on record, uh, and of course that affected the staffing levels at the Rupehu and uh, and around the mountains. Uh, so that with uh, COVID is been pointed out has caused alarm bells there because they're relying on a good season and uh, for this to happen uh, to you know get the indication that things are not going well as far as the balance sheet's concerned with REL at this point uh, is really concerning for the wider community and um, I've got to say that it's not just a regional issue we're talking about a national issue here and uh, we've just got to you know like uh, brace ourselves for you know, changes in the future, and um, hopefully well, we can play a part in that. That's right. Changes that are coming. Times are changing. We'll have the panel's view on this uh, as well, where's end questions. But look, um, I, I, I had the pleasure of going to Ohakuni, actually not in winter but in summer. I love the place. Uh, spending some time there, you know, uh, the, the the walks around there, the little cafes, the, the wonderful little town. But the, the dealers that... The ski fields bring in, as I understand, around a hundred million bucks into the region. Significant cash, and it's going to be hard to replace that. Absolutely, I think it's a wider community that's affected as well. Every business uh, is associated with the mountain in various shape or form. Even yeah. though we have a diverse range of activities through the season, of course, biking is one of those, and uh, the likes of canoe hire and the businesses around that but the skiing is the core of our business in this location and uh, we certainly uh, you know we are concerned about the future but nevertheless uh, we're going to be working through uh, the issues and hopefully uh, there's going to be a way forward and uh, we're going to give it every support we can through our local council if not uh, go to the government and say hey uh, this has got to be wider than just a regional issue. We're going to be talking about a national asset as well. Heather Roy have you been up the uh, ski fields here? Heather? 
Yep, we're here. Um, the uh, my experience has been in the South Island rather than the North with skiing, but um, you know it is a terrible situation. Interesting that Wes referred to the time when he was mayor previously, and there were the two volcanic eruptions year after year, and then the La, La Nina effect. Um, and so then I remember that there were uh, there was a lot of uh, scepticism about whether the ski fields would ever run effectively again, and of course they have. So I'm sort of not quite as doom and gloom as some commentators have been today because I think that there are always ways. And um, I, you know, some, of the, some of the people who were um, being interviewed this morning we're also putting forward a large number of options about things that could be done. So I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic that there will be a way forward. How can you be? I just, I just want to jump in here and, and look at the temperatures. It hit a new record. Winter, this year the average, a new record of almost 10 degrees Celsius. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not winter. That's, that's what, not no, winter. No, it's not, Wallace, but that's one year. The previous two years, the ski fields weren't able to operate because of COVID. So let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Yes, there's there's changes happening. Uh, but, you know, we have been here before, and let's just see what happens. But, look, I think there's a lot of issues to be worked through. Um, and I think that, you know, it was good to hear Wes say there that he's guardedly optimistic too that yep. things can, can, can move forward. You stay there, Wes. Let's bring David Cormack in. Wild that you're now all like, oh, the temperature is 10 degrees when you wanted to cut my climate change rant off, Wallace. Well, more on that later, actually. Um, so, look, I I hate skiing myself. I think it's a rich person sport, but that's fine. I know a lot Come of people on. like it, and I know that also Aruapehu and, and its ski fields provides a lot of, lot of the economy, and so I think that actually whatever needs to be done needs to be done in order to try and get this back up and running. So just because I hate it doesn't mean everyone else does. And so other people should be able to go up and, and enjoy what is such a sort of iconic part of the North Island. I mean, whenever people come visit New Zealand, I'm usually like, go see the South Island, it's prettier. But, but that central plateau region is, is yeah. one of the jewels in the North Island's crown. I couldn't agree more, Wes. No, that's, that's, I, I'm with Heather too that, uh, that we've got to be optimistic and there are other activities as well. For example, the gondola, which is a huge attraction and uh, that's fairly new to the area. So we're going to see a lot of activity with the crossing, the Tongariro crossing, for example, huge number of people use that crossing and uh, I think we've got activities around the uh, ski fields but uh, you only have to sort of think back only a week or 10 days ago where we had a blast yeah. come through and put a lot of snow there that opens up the fields and uh, gives a lot more confidence that you know we are going to have uh, ski skiing in the central North Island it's just a different sort of format <laughs> that's not going to be a traditional you know dumps of snow in July and go right through the season but uh, I think Acknowledged where Acknowledged. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I get that and I, that polar blast was quite something, but over time, and no one's really denying the fact that, you know, our winters are getting milder. They really are. And I guess what I'm, I'm asking you is, um, are you really planning solidly for the fact that they may, over time, for the next 50 years, that mountain won't get snow? It'll be brown rocks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone knows that there's a changing environment, excuse the pun, and uh, we're going to be dealing with something completely different from what we're used to in our day. Uh, but uh, I think you've got to be positive in how you deal with that, and there are some smart people around that can actually, you know, 
uh, reset uh, how we do uh, business and um, skiing may not be the dominant uh, thing, but uh, let's just think about uh, you know how we can make the best of it in the, in the next coming years and work through some of the issues that REL have got. And I think there's a way forward. Okay. It's just like, yeah, and so it's just a matter of options now as to how we can fund the operation. And bearing in mind that um, we've just got a situation where there's a pause in how they're doing their business at the moment. The um, people that are dealing with it are smart cookies, and they'll be looking at options. How are we going to actually fund this? And uh, it's heaven said earlier on that uh, we've been here before, and mm. you know it's just premature to you know write it off entirely, and uh, let's just focus on the day-to-day running of the business, and not uh, sort of scare ourselves to death so that people do a runner uh, because uh, they're scared. Fair I enough. think we'll just. Yeah. Get, Head on, head on. Really, really good to hear Wes's optimism. And look, I just think that if Saudi Arabia can run the 2029 Asian Winter Games in the desert, there are options available. <laughs> I'm not sure Saudi Arabia should be a role model to us for anything, to be honest. <laughs> but what they're going to do there is amazing. Um, before you go, Wes, because you have mountain, mountain bike trails there too, don't you? Absolutely. We yeah. have a lot, the Timber Trail, for example, is one of the best in New Zealand, top uh, rated, and uh, there's various others on the on the uh, pipeline. So we're going to see some huge activity during the summer months. And yeah, I was pretty skeptical, be... skeptical about those, but I was talking to someone in the Dunstan the, 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 a couple of months ago. I was there, and they said the amount of businesses bringing into those small towns is actually quite extraordinary. You're talking about tens of thousands of rides. So, uh, as you say, let's be optimistic always, and really nice to have you on the program. Kia ora. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Good Where's Curtin there, the new mayor of the, the Ruapehu district, or the recycle mayor, just sticking in a bit of feedback regarding um, David Cormack's rant. Um, yeah, the, 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 the fans have spoken here. I'm 77. I'm so supportive of your panellists, what you call a rant, Wallace. Go, David, says Grant. Finally, da- someone with the intelligence and guts... <laughs> To tell it like it is. Finally. And Peggy says, Toe talk everything your guest David said. Refreshing stuff, Wallace. Um, David is right, of course. Not not all fans. That rant and attack by David was so blatantly biased and below the standard of your show, Wallace. Um, are we are we going to get... Um, it was very poor. And are we going to get an apology from David? Is that from afternoon? a C. Luxon? No. No. Uh, it's just a question. Are we going to receive an apology? For what? Believing in climate change? For your, probably for, not. I'll probably keep going on about it for the remaining 31 and a half minutes. All right, 18 past <laughs> four, the panel, RNZ National. Now, earlier this week, now this to this, taxes have been in the headlines, oh, both good. in the UK. <laughs> Uh, and, <laughs> uh, and here, of course, UK under Liz Trust ditched her $2 billion tax cut for the wealthiest Brits, those earning more than £150,000. And whether or not we need to give New Zealanders some uh, tax cuts has been discussed here as well. Well, a new report has New Zealand ranked 136th in the world out of 161 countries when it comes to fair wealth distribution and that is leading the call by some for a relook at some of our tax areas whether or not we need to tax wealth and corporates more the report is the international inequality index from oxfam international which said that overall rich countries had an explosion of economic inequality so to discuss is dr joe spratt oxfam aotearoa's communications and advocacy director dr spratt welcome 
So we rank eighth overall. Uh, you got your number one, Norway, Germany, two, Australia, top three. So explain this for us. 136 of 161. What does it mean? It means that essentially our tax system isn't doing what it needs to do, which is to help collect resources and share them fairly across society. It's uh, it's just not doing a good job at making sure that all Kiwis get a fair go. So what what are you calling for? Well, <laughs> the report generally you know, looks across the globe and looks at this massive explosion of inequality. We've seen billionaires over the last two years earn as much as it, what, what it previously took them 23 years to amass. And meanwhile, yeah. we've got 250 million people falling into poverty. So what we're calling for across the globe is for governments to tax wealth and corporate profits more. We've seen massive corporate profits again across the pandemic. And use that money to channel into public spending. So health, education, uh, schools, hospitals, roads, parks, things like that. And for wealthy countries like uh, New Zealand to help uh, developing countries across the world because developing countries are experiencing massive amounts of debt and need assistance from countries that can afford to share. It's pretty poor, isn't it, the index? 136 out of 161 when it comes to uh, fairness in wealth equality. It's a real could-do-better. Yeah. Um, it's actually the index itself, that measure looks at our predominantly our income tax system. So our wealth isn't even included in our tax system here in New Zealand, all the gains from wealth, and this is a massive gap. So we certainly calling on the New Zealand government to start to explore how we can tax wealth and the gains from wealth more and use that money to channel into climate change adaption. It's going to be a massive issue for us as people lose their jobs and have to retreat from the seafront. Um, Just beefing up our hospitals, we've uh, had a lot of coverage about how um, our hospitals are struggling at the moment and nurses need to be paid more and better. So we really do need to be taxing wealth and the gains from wealth far more. All right, Heather, you're, you're hearing this, you've seen this report here, um, you know, and I'm dying to hear your take. You've got the uh, an explosion of economic inequality. Something's got to happen. Yeah, I, I'm certainly not in favour of a windfall tax. I think that inequality does need to be tackled, but if tax redistribution solved wealth inequality, then Labour governments before this one would have solved it long ago. Um, I'm, I've, I don't, I don't think a windfall tax, um, as suggested, you know, on supermarkets etc. for profiting from one-off events like COVID. I think there's there's some flaws in that analysis to start with. Um, one of the real problems actually during our COVID pandemic. Uh, here in New Zealand, was that only supermarkets were allowed to sell groceries. Um, uh, butchers and greengrocers were prevented from opening, decreasing competition, and so the government actually handed the supermarkets um, better profits uh, on a platter. So there's there's much better ways, I think, of tackling these issues, and I, for a long time, have been you know, in favour of GST, abandon pay-as-you-earn pay uh, income tax, and uh, increase GST slightly and have a land tax to replace it. I think that would be a much fairer way of taxing um, our, our country and uh, would would see some uh, more in, of those inequalities being addressed. You've got a lot of people now saying, Heather, you know, for example, tax specialist um, Craig Eliff saying, look, we have a situation where a lot of wealthy people do not pay very much tax. He's a tax specialist at Auckland University. It's acknowledged that we have things that we need to fix in our tax system. Is that 
you're not hearing that. No, no, I am. I, I don't think that what we have at the moment is, is the best way of taxing the population to provide the things that people can't provide for themselves. And I think that GST, so that people pay more for what they consume themselves, the wealthy consume the most. They would pay more that way. And a land tax, the people with the wealth own the land, a land tax would be – that combined with GST would be a much fairer way right. of, of taxing our population. Joe, do you not just want to stay there? We'll get David and you can respond to both. <coughs> David. Okay. Let's start with increasing GST. That's bananas because it's a regressive tax that disproportionately affects those who ha- earn less money. I don't care that wealthy people spend more. They end up paying yeah. a much smaller no, we, proportion we of their tax and GST. That. I'm kind of factually right. Um, <laughs> uh, land tax, 100% with you there, Heather. Quite surprised to hear you vouch for that. Big fan. Uh, getting rid of PAYE, also bananas, but I do think that work is overtaxed and wealth is definitely undertaxed. I can't understand how one could be a billionaire. If I was, a, if I had a billion dollars and I knew there was one person on earth starving, I would do everything I could to feed them. And these absolute psychopaths do not do that. They deserve to be eaten and have their wealth taken from them and redistributed. I am absolutely with the good people of Oxfam. We do not tax uh, the wealth system properly. This Labour government has been disgustingly milk toast around tax uh, and really cowardly about pro- putting proper wealth taxes in. There are so many more things we could be doing we choose not to do it and it's an act of terror against those who are struggling all right joe um you want to respond to <laughs> okay uh do you want to respond respond to both uh heather and david sure sure i mean it's a really uh complex discussion once you start to get into the different types of tax but certainly gst is a regressive tax and that's one of the reasons why in our index new zealand did so poorly is because our gst like um is regressive and it, like for example australia uh, has exemptions for food um, uh, in their GST regime, which could be something that we might want to consider. A uh, land tax is a type of wealth tax, so yeah, totally supportive of people thinking about what that might look like in this country. Um, and I just think more generally, it sees extreme levels of inequality where people are amassing um, amounts of wealth and income that they just will never make use of. And yet there are people really, really struggling to get by each day and put enough food on Let's the table. Let's just come back to Heather on that. I mean, you've got, you've got, you've got now wealth beyond avarice, uh, extraordinary amounts of wealth, and yet people are just really, you know it, Heather, just in abject poverty. Uh, the, the inequalities are now immense. Uh, do you accept that it's happening? Is, I, do I believe that there's inequality? Yes, I do. Um, but I think that it's um, just you can't say that wealthy people don't actually do good in society. Many of them do. And for David to say that not, none of none of the wealthy people do anything for anybody else in the world, I, I don't accept at all. I 100% A lot of people did do. not say that. Um, it sounded like it. And um, I, th- I do think that... Um, you know, governments also shouldn't waste the tax take that they have, and a lot of our, our uh, tax take goes on things that that it shouldn't be going to, and could be diverted to deal with things like poverty. And you know, there's any number of examples that I can think of in the last five right. years that this government could have spent their money better well, here's on, one. or our Joe, money better on. Just finally, Joe. I mean, one of the things that the government, uh, I mean, didn't the government introduce an extra bracket for super earners, thirty nine percent for anything over one hundred eighty? What's wrong with that? No, that was great. And that was one of the good things that our government did during the pandemic and certainly support that. We probably need uh, uh, at least one more in our income tax bracket to start to make it fairer. But that was a great move. I think, uh, yeah, 
Taxes are the most powerful tool a government has to provide for the people and make sure that everybody flourishes. So we really need to be having much more conversation about taxes and what they get us in society. But we should also be having a conversation about how that tax take is spent. And, you know, there's too many areas where wasteful spending occurs when it should be going to helping those less able in our society. All right, Joe. we yeah. might, we, we, did your final, final thought, we'll, go, we'll move on. No, I was just going to say, right. yes, we're good to talk about that. I go think on, it's yeah. overstated, but um, happy to have the conversation any day, and thanks for the opportunity. Pleasure, Joe. Thanks for being on the program. That's Dr. Joe Spratt from uh, Oxfam Aotearoa. 28 past four. Look, just a word on this. Earlier this week, we talked about Extinction Rebellion activists gluing their hands to the Perspex mm. case of a Picasso painting in Melbourne. Now, the prize Picasso, unharmed whether we thought that was acceptable. This morning, a local climate protest. The activists sat on the southbound lane of the urban motorway in front of the tunnel, causing traffic to back up, apparently gluing their hands to the road that's one. Their flyers said they were sincerely sorry for the disruption, but climate change could not be ignored. Six people have been arrested. Uh, now, Chris Bishop wrote on Facebook, the six idiots' decision to block the road was selfish, reckless, irresponsible and counterproductive. The Transport Minister, Michael Wood, he wasn't very happy either. Round the panel on this. I want to get your views. Um, uh, David, you're in the car. You want to go through the lane. What do you do? You beep your horn, tell them to get out of the way. I mean, no, I'm just kind of resigned to my fate by this stage. Like, why are they protesting? It's because we've seen a lack of action around climate change from successive governments and anybody, right? So maybe let's look at the root cause of what they're actually protesting about. Yes, there are complaints to be made about, oh, my day's disrupted, it's taking me a bit longer to get to work, but there's kind of bigger existential issues that they're actually trying to raise. But there are ways to do it. You, 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 I mean, you're in PR. You know how to get people, you try and get people on your side, and this is not the way to do it. Yeah, but the likes of Greenpeace and, the, to a lesser extent, the Green Party have been trying to get people on their side through sort of peaceful conversations for decades now, and it's not done a thing. Heather? Making the people that you want to get on your side angry is not the way to achieve any sort of change. David. And that's what they achieved this morning, anger. Yeah, no, totally. Wow. And, and I, I wouldn't mm. be surprised if people were angry about it, but I'm just saying that we need to lift our vision up from what what they actually did to what they're actually trying to get us to think about. And they're, they're just desperate to get people to actually think about climate change and do something about climate change. Okay, let's try it out. Heather, um, did it make you listen to the message? Did it make you think, mm, where's the flyer? I want to have a look at what they stand for. No, actually, when I read the media reports, I saw that it was about restoring passenger rail, so their message was totally lost on me, I'm afraid. And it did make people angry. It wasn't just about people being a little late for work. There were people trying to get to the airport to pick their children up, you know. So you've got small children left at the airport on their own, uh, with somebody clearly having to look after them when parents are trying to get through. I just just think that it's um, completely counterproductive and you've got to find better ways of protesting. David? I mean, I, I suspect Heather and I might have differing views on um, <laughs> a lot of things, but climate change would definitely be one of them. Uh, and I think it's something that you might have picked up, I think needs some action on. Uh, and, you know, it's, I'm not at a whatever-it-takes kind of situation because you shouldn't have carte blanche, but we, we need to do more than what we have been doing. 
Kia ora both. Really appreciate your comments and it's been a bit of a climate change focus for the first <laughs> half of the hour. So wonderful. Uh, Heather Roy and David Cormack with me. Uh, you're on the panel. You can text us 2101. Needless to say, getting a lot of texts this afternoon. You can email me, thepanel at rnz.co.nz.